Sound the trumpets. The Counting Crows are returning to New Zealand. Yep, they're bringing their Butter Miracle Tour to Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch in March. And we found frontman Adam Duritz in New York City, where he was happy to talk about life back on the road after the COVID-enforced break, which he spent sitting around and cooking. So, how is it out there now? Daydream nations won't come true. The ghost you made up goes to you. Angel learns to live with things that make her feel uneasy. You know, it's kind of the same and it's kind of really different. I mean, on the one hand, you're just playing a show, which is the same thing. But in a way, I, I think I just appreciate it more all of a sudden. Right. You know, we've been playing for a long time and, you know, you, you do kind of feel like that string's about to run out at some point because sure, the band sure. lasts more than a year or two usually. And we're coming up on 30. <laughs> but after two years off, which is the longest I've gone without a gig since I started playing gigs, I've right. never two years without playing. Right. You know. I got on stage and I found myself being really kind of choked up and because uh, everybody came out. There was a whole bunch of people. And that's kind of been true every night since then. I found myself feeling I, I, not that I took it for granted, but I just don't think I thought about it all that much. Right. Like it's like pondering your own mortality every day and being like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not dead. Right. right. <laughs> like after these two years, I really felt like, man, how about all these people that still coming out that came out tonight and came out last time and how many other nights over all these years i i just somebody's here with their kids right you know like i just sort of felt like i don't know really appreciated it kind of choked up on right. a night by night basis in ways i never was before cool so having as those years off i know you did some like cooking videos and you have a podcast going but did you have any time to reflect and think about things and yourself and what you're doing and what you want to do and all that stuff that people do when they're down with downtime. I did a whole lot of fucking sitting around. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> and then, and then a whole, whole, whole lot of cooking, <clears throat> but that's kind of about it. I don't know that I pondered anything at all. Right. It caught me by surprise when I found myself moved on stage like that. Uh, it's nothing I'd been thinking about. Right. Right. Just, it really hit me by surprise. The two things that hit me were, one, really being moved by all these people still coming out. And two, how the fuck did I remember all these words? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> I don't think I'd ever thought about that before either. And all of a sudden, it seemed like this is an impossible amount of words. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I always kept uh, this spiral binder uh, behind me under the piano, you know, like yeah. 15 feet away under the piano with the, the set in it, you know, lyrics to the set. Yeah. So that if I ever needed, I could check it. But that's kind of pointless because if you're forgetting a word and the book is 10 feet behind you under a piano, not going to help. <laughs> you can't check it. It ain't going to help anything. Um, and so, but at, when we went into rehearsals for the first gigs after the pandemic, I found myself thinking, man, there's no way I can remember all this crap, especially yeah. this suite, which is like 20 minutes straight singing. Right, right, right. Like that's really impossible. And so I, I I brought a music stand on stage and I put it like just about a few feet over to my right, a little bit behind me where I could see it easily. There you go. But the problem is I don't think about it during the gig. Right. And so <laughs> I never flip the pages because so <laughs> I'm not thinking about it. And so 
if I do have a problem, I turn. Oh, it just still says Mr. Jones or something. It's yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. That's not helping. He's there, and I haven't flipped <laughs> it in a half hour or 40 minutes. Every once in a while, I'll be walking back up from the back of the stage while someone's playing a solo, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I flip yeah. the pages. But it's turned out to be just as useless as the one under the piano, but it's kind of a security blanket now. Yeah, fair. Yeah, at least you know it's there. <laughs> yeah. Because I really was nervous about that when we started playing again. I thought, man, you have been writing some wordy songs. And now you haven't looked at them in two years. Yeah. That's just a lot. You know, there's a lot of songs and a lot of them are long. Yeah. yeah. You know, like some of them are eight to 10 minutes long. And that's too long. You know, <laughs> well, maybe that's why Bob Dylan is on the never ending tour. He knows if he goes off, he'll never be able to do it again because it'll. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys have uh, teleprompters now, you know, and I, I that just seems like a hassle, but I yeah, can yeah. see why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you mentioned the suite. It's the Butter Miracle Suite 1, which always infers that there is going to be a two or three after it. Uh, but it's a it's a four-song little suite for those of you who, even though it's been out for a year or so now, how would you describe it to uh, the fans who uh, haven't been exposed to it yet? Well, it's a continuous piece of music that uh, goes for about 18 minutes. It's four separate songs. Um, it kind of grew naturally. You know, there were years where we had, uh, we were taking our songs and expanding them, like right. Round Here or Rain King or Goodnight Elizabeth, and we would uh, improvise in the middle or I would stick whole other songs in the middle of our songs, uh, creating like different movements like classical music has inside our own music. And then when I wrote Palisades Park uh, for Somewhere Under Wonderland, that's like a 10 minute piece of music that was sort of like trying to do what we'd been doing on Round Here, but to compose the whole thing that way. Right. And I think this is kind of like a, a different version of that. It, it is uh, it is several different movements that all connect together, but they're, they're whole songs, but they're written to flow like one long song with four different movements really right. now i gotta admit i got excited when i saw the the title of one of them is angel of 14th street because i'm a, I'm a mata hoople fan and i know they have a song called angel of uh, 8th avenue uh that uh, was on one of their early albums on wildlife so did one thing have anything to do with the other <laughs> uh, no but well not that song ah. but uh, there was a real like mata hoople was a real uh sort of something I was looking at is what I wanted the texture to feel like for some of the sweet Mott and like hunky dory era Bowie sure. were kind of what I was looking at when I was writing elevator boots and wanting to like conjure some of that up. Looking at the bus seek you to the turns around You can't stop feeling the boss suits and the elevator boots The weird thing about it is that my friend, one of my best friends, is a singer for a band called Gang of Youths. Oh, yeah. Uh, their yep. bass player is actually uh, from New Zealand. Yep. Uh, Matt. Yep. But he's one of my best friends. <laughs> and we talk to each other all the time when we're working on stuff. And I came up to, I was on my friend's farm and I wrote all these songs. And uh, then I, I went up to London to sing on their new record. This is a few years ago. Uh, and the song I sang on 
He's like, yeah, I've got this great song I want you to sing on. It's called Angel of 8th Avenue. And I said, I just wrote a song called Angel of 14th Street. <laughs> he said, are you kidding? He goes, I just wrote this song. You got to sing on it. I'm like, okay, that's the weirdest thing. So I ended up singing on a bunch of songs, but then they scrapped the whole record right. and re- redid it. Uh, and I actually went and sang on it again, but I sang on different songs the second time. So I'm not on Angel of 8th Avenue. But the weirdest thing is that we both wrote those songs completely independent of each other while we were both in England right, uh, and communicating and seeing each other. But we know about those two songs. Amazing. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so have you heard the Mott the Hoople song since then? I can't remember the Mott one, mm-hmm. uh, but I've heard their song several it's on times. Wildlife. <laughs> I keep it with me always. <laughs> As you should. One of my favorites. Have you ever hung out with Ian Hunter? He's still kicking. He's doing all right. Yeah, and apparently he's amazing live still. No, yeah. Immer has hung out with him a few times, our guitar player. Uh, right. He he went to a couple Ian Hunter shows while we were on tour, but I can't do things on tour. Yeah. I have to be quiet. In between gigs, I'm like a mute. Otherwise, my voice won't hold up. Right, right. So uh, is there a suite two on the way? There should be. I actually <laughs> was, uh, I had just finished it, and I came home, and uh, Dave Leo Pepe sent me the final uh, version of Angel in Real Time, the new Gang of Youth record, before it came out. And right. I listened to it, and I thought, oh, yeah, these songs aren't good enough. And oh, I tossed <laughs> so I have to work on it again now. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of, are you your worst critic? No, I'm my best critic, usually. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have never done that before in my life. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm a really harsh critic, but I think you're supposed to be. This stuff's supposed to be great. And I, I think it's worked for us so far. This yeah. time, I just got really intimidated by how good that record is. Not intimidated. That's the wrong word. It just moved me so much. And I realized that these songs were missing a little bit of that. Right, you know? right. So you mentioned, you know, the band's been around for 30 years, <laughs> which seems absurd. <laughs> um, but is... Does the same thing that drives you to make this music now, was it the same as back then? Or as you as a creative force, is what what's different about what's keeping you going? Well, there's less trying to meet girls. Just oh, okay. <laughs> that was definitely part of it early on. <laughs> I can't, well, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, when you Google your name, I mean, Jennifer Aniston comes up all over the place. It's like, it's, it's like the only thing you ever did was date Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah, they're just people, but I dated a lot of them when I was younger. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it seems a shame to live in Hollywood and not get around. Sure, absolutely. Why not? I mean, when it turns out that it's more of a window than a wall, when you look at your television and you realize, oh, that's more of a window than a wall, you have to climb right through that fucking window. No, that's what I did. All right. um, you know, no, I don't know. I, you know, I think there's always still this part of you that wants to communicate things and right. it doesn't do it as well in the other aspects of your life, you know, but still needs to express this stuff. Um you know, I don't know if it's the same stuff as it was back then. Yep. It's hard to tell what it is at any given moment. I've just been a person in my life who felt the need to express these things and, and then I did. did. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, I, you know, maybe it's a little less immediate now. Like I need to a little, I don't need to quite as much or quite as much. It's not like an emergency. 
Gotcha. Yep. I, yep. I like my life a lot more now than I did then. All right. Now, speaking of liking your life and all that, uh, how, how are you dealing with the uh, elections and all that stuff? Are you a political animal? Did you kind of well, get caught up I mean, in all that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I was a bit relieved the last couple of days. It could have gone a lot worse. Yes, um, it could have. In fact, uh, something that has been a given in American politics since World War II has been a massive turnover in the midterms. And right. this is the first time in 70-odd years that did not happen. Yep. I mean, there will be some turnover, but it, it's it's very small comparatively and that's not like it's not a trend it's like that's been true of american politics in all the years and in every midterm election since 1945 it's not a joke yep yep this will be the first time it didn't necessarily happen Uh, i think we can thank uh trumpty dumpty for that (laughs) something he did that that we can thank him for well i guess that's one way to look at it Turns out to be as poisonous as he seemed. Uh, unbelievable. So, and then when you're traveling around, like I know you guys were just overseas in Europe or whatever. So, from the outside looking in and from talking to people around the world, what's what's the vibe you're getting from how they look at the U.S. these days? Well, I think those years did a lot of damage to how people look at the U.S. Right. Truth is, and this is the sad truth. It's not just us. Uh, right, reactionary right wing governments are proliferating all over the world. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, you know, it, I'm thankful for the places they're not, um, and I'm thankful for some of the ones who are bowing out because you know that that stuff is really pointless and stupid. I know <laughs> Bolsonaro lost. Yep. yep. Uh, <clears throat> you know. Uh, Hopefully this is more proof of it. You know, the world needs to move forward, not backwards. There's exactly. Not so moving backwards. forward, what are we going to expect when you, when you guys get here? What are you going to do for us? Well, uh, whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have a set set list when we go right. on tour. It changes every night. We tend to make it after dinner. And uh, uh, so, you know, we will play the entire suite for sure. sure. And then... Uh, we play songs from every record every night, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, plenty of old songs, but for the entire catalog gets played all the time. Um, so uh, I just don't, I don't like, I like to decide that night what we're going to play so that we can play stuff we really want to play right then. Right. Uh, and I see you throw in a few covers every once in a while. So that just well, yeah, with, I like <laughs> I like interpreting other people's songs too. I, I think it seems like a waste as a musician to spend my entire career singing one person's songs, even right. if that person's me. Right, gotcha. that, well, I'm a music fan, you know, like yeah. you. I like Mata the Hoople. There's plenty of good music out there. Sometimes I want to sing those other songs too, and uh, I, I enjoy that. You know, cool, excellent. All righty, I well, can't wait to see you guys again because it's been a little while. So thanks Thank for you. spending time talking to me. I appreciate it. Take a deep breath, take a rest, and uh, <laughs> off we go. Cannot wait to come back. I've, I've got a friend who's got a ranch in the Coromandel. I've been dying to go down and visit him, and I, I can't go. wait. Yeah, it'll be summertime here, too, so even better. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yep. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, man. You, too. Okay, bye-bye.